0: Hey guys, welcome to episode six of the Baseball Happy Hour podcast with Justin. On this episode, I sit down with Israeli national team member Jonathan DeMarte to talk about the Olympics, playing minor league ball, and a bunch of other baseball-related topics. I hope you enjoy.
1: Hey, what's going on?
0: I'm good, man. How are you? Doing well. Not too bad. Let me get situated here. No worries. How's your day? Not
1: too bad. How about yourself?
0: Can't complain. Just another day in quarantine.
1: Yeah. Is this angle all right? Can you see This it? is great, man. Yeah. No
0: worries.
1: Let me see if I can. No, that's not going to work. I got to leave my phone plugged in. <sighs> no, no worries. All right. I'll start here and then I'll probably move it around in a bit.
0: <laughs> so I appreciate uh, you being on with me. So thank you for that. I appreciate you taking 30 minutes to an hour out of your day just to talk to me. I was doing some research on you and you've played everywhere. <laughs> um you've played I think on in three different countries on like two different continents and it's really cool and now you're with the Cubs you were supposed to play in the Olympics so I would first love to hear about how the whole team Israel thing came to be and what that whole process was like
1: Yeah sure let me uh let me put the do not disturb on my phone here so <laughs> There we go Is that better? Yeah.
0: That that works
1: great. righty. Um, so how did you asked how I got in Team Israel? Yeah. Um, so I was play, so go back to 2017 when they were playing in the World Baseball Classic. Um, I remember that was my sixth and final year of college baseball. Um, and I remember we were playing down in Texas and like watching pretty late night um, Team Israel playing. I forget who they were playing at the time. But they made the amazing run that they did in 2017. And this was a team that, or something I said I always wanted to be involved in um, at at some point in my career, post-college, if I could. And uh, fast forward, it was my first full season, second season in independent ball. And our manager asked me one day if I was interested in playing winter ball anywhere. Um, And I said, uh, I'd love to play for Team Israel if I could somehow get the opportunity um and he said let me see what I can do um the next day I got a call from him saying to be prepared to receive a call from someone in charge and I actually got a call from the manager of the team like the next day or something after uh basically saying hey John it was Eric Colts who's the manager of our team saying hey Jonathan like I know who you are I don't know if you know who I am but we'd love to have you on the team like I'm from Westchester County, New York also, where where you grew up, and I had no idea you were Jewish because of your last name, so if you're happy <laughs> and willing to play, we would love to have you. So he um, basically told asked if I was <clears throat> ready and willing to start the process to become an Israeli citizen, um, which was pretty straightforward for me, so um, yeah, pretty much got started with the paperwork and the whole process the next day.
0: That's really cool. So you guys qualified for the Olympics, in fact, which is really cool. What, what was that like? And I'm assuming you were very excited to play um, in the Olympics this year, which unfortunately is not going to happen, but you guys still get the opportunity next year. How does, how does that all work?
1: Uh, so everything just gets pushed back basically 365 days. Um, I don't think, uh, I don't know what else has changed so far. Uh, we're kind of all waiting to hear. Um so yeah just waiting in limbo doing everything that we can to stay ready um but i mean yeah the whole the whole qualifying process was incredible um I and mean, then we had a little bit different team starting in the first two tournaments in Bulgaria and Lithuania um and team changed a little bit in the tournaments in Germany and Italy and we meshed really well um i don't believe baseball is a sport where team chemistry and All of that stuff has as much of an impact uh, over the course of a long season that people think, but with a small sample size and not as many games like we played with Israel this summer, I think really anything goes. And especially in this situation, I think we all bonded and connected so well. And I don't know if that had to do with having similar, um, similar religious backgrounds or all playing for Israel and Jews all over the world, but we meshed really well. And I do believe that, like that, pushed us even more to win and do everything you could to put the game, like put your body on the line to win and treat every game like Game Seven in the World Series. So, it was really neat to be a part of such a competitive atmosphere like that. Because most of professional baseball, you're playing for your own development. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was nice to be. It was. It's been pretty amazing to be a part of.
0: What's the difference between, because I know you're with the Cubs organization now, is there a difference between European baseball and sort of American baseball? Is there a different style or is it all pretty much the same game?
1: Um, See, so, yeah, I, so I haven't, I signed right before spring training, so I haven't actually played in any games with the Cubs, but um, from my experience in independent ball and playing baseball in Europe, um, what was the difference? I mean, I think the talent level was a little bit below um, what I was what we were what we experienced in independent ball but it 's not that there weren 't players that were not better than what we've played. I think that the variety of talent was very spread out um, I mean on some of the teams like netherlands italy you'd a handful of big leaguers guys with some serious professional careers, but sometimes the bottom of these rosters were were not as deep um, and I think that played more with the teams that were not as not as strong um, in mm-hmm. europe so you saw i mean I honestly saw teams like Netherlands, Italy that you saw talent as high up as major league talent, but then earlier on in Bulgaria, um, Lithuania, I mean, those were countries that were probably teams were more equivalent to a lower level division, division one team. That's awesome. So
0: I know you went to the university of Richmond in Virginia. What was it like playing division one baseball and how, how did you uh, get into that?
1: Um, so, I I, enjoy, I really enjoyed playing ball at Richmond. Um, I had a pretty tough college career. I was injured most of my time, um, or most of my undergraduate time, and I went in as a pitcher and ended as a two-way guy, um, had numerous injuries, numerous surgeries. So, my pathway to college baseball was pretty round. or college baseball, professional baseball was pretty roundabout, and I did not have the... I did not have the college experience that I had expected um, mm-hmm. going into it, but well, I mean, I really made the most of it and enjoyed my time away from baseball while at the same time doing everything that I possibly could to get back onto the field. And um, How did I get to Richmond? I committed to Richmond pretty early, um, kinda think with the help of uh, my parents' influence, choosing a school that I could see myself at if baseball did not work out and a school that would maintain my scholarship or keep my scholarship if anything happened. And um, yeah, I mean, the coaches at Richmond honored, honored that all the way through. I mean, I did not earn the scholarship that I was given by any means because of how little time I played and nothing, nothing changed throughout my time there. So I really appreciate that. And that really helped, help me now honestly, in, in financially. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think I made the right choice and I'm, I'm happy that I chose Richmond.
0: What did you study at Richmond, just out of curiosity?
1: Uh, undergrad, I studied communications and got yep, my minor in education, and I got my master's degree in human resource management.
0: I'm literally about to graduate next year with the exact same undergraduate degrees you had, which is really, really? crazy. <laughs> yeah. I am nice. majoring in sports communications and minoring in education. So,
1: Very cool. Um, what school?
0: Ithaca College in upstate New York. Okay, yeah that's really cool sorry total sidetrack on Facebook what made you interested in education because I know not a lot of people sort of go that route
1: uh I think it was that honestly at the time I just did not know and Richmond only offered an education minor it was actually called like education in society so it was kind of the a way to start getting into postgraduate uh postgrad in education but I mean for me it was just kind of if I ever decided to want to teach and coach baseball somewhere so it was kind of just wasn't really sure at the time Uh, yeah
0: that's awesome so you found your way into independent ball and now you're with the cubs what was the jump from independent ball to getting signed with the cubs you said back uh right before spring training so i'm assuming sometime in february
1: um so i think it was a lot of the right place at the right time um I, there's been I mean, playing independent ball was not the most financially rewarding but it's an amazing experience it's from what I've heard not when you're at the field and playing in a game not that much different from minor league baseball I mean there's some places that I've played where you get a lot of fans mm-hmm. um I haven't really experienced the jump or change in uh how how things are on field um just because I haven't played in any games yet um yep. but I mean Playing in the Atlantic League, that was the highest level of baseball, I'll say, that I ever played. So it'll be interesting to see what how things compare, uh, compare to that. Uh, but for me, how it kind of happened, I mean, like I said, playing independent ball, I think there were plenty of times where I thought I performed well enough or did what was necessary to get signed, but maybe it wasn't the right place at the right time. And obviously, my past injuries are a big red flag. Um, so I had a good, pretty good 2019 season, both playing in Quebec Playing for Team Israel through in front of a lot of important people, um, and obviously we made some pretty good noise or pretty big noise in the baseball world making the Olympics. And I was, I was fortunate enough to pitch a lot in the qualifiers. So after that, I actually uh, took a little bit of, took a short amount of time off, went back and trained in the off se- or shortly in the offseason to prepare for winter ball in Australia. So I went to Australia. I did not really pitch the way I would have liked, um, but I only threw I think five or six innings. It was an amazing experience, but, I mean, I was throwing hard. Stuff felt good. Um, they just needed some time to get it together um, and get used to pitching only once or twice a week. And, um, anyway, from there, flew to Arizona um, and threw for a few different teams, threw really well, and one of them was the Cubs and got a call a few days later. So that was kind of how things happened with the Cubs. Um pretty i guess unusual time to get signed right before spring training like that but fortunately enough i was in arizona and um threw well in front of them so
0: that's really cool so you talked about throwing hard what do you what do you feature on the mound like what's your pitch repertoire what's your pitch repertoire on the mound you talked about throwing hard in australia what do you feature when you're throwing
1: um so four seam i throw like a one seam fastball also which is a little bit more like a sinker um, my best out pitch is my changeup. up. Um, it's kind of something that's helped me get by over the last few years and it's the slider as well that kind of working with making a little bit shorter and shorter and tighter and faster instead of a little bit more slurvy. So yeah,
0: that's awesome. So going back to, I know there's not a lot of Jewish players in baseball. I know Sandy Koufax is the most famous one. Who are some guys on Team Israel that people might not know about, but you think are really tremendously talented that people you think should know about?
1: Uh, As baseball players, let's see. Let me think about some of the guys that made, maybe that were not as well known that made impacts. I think Blake Galen is someone that everybody in the baseball world should know. I believe he's 34, 35 years old, played independent ball forever. And it's really funny. Blake and I were having dinner, and he's with the Dodgers in A right now. Um, and he's been signed as a free agent out of independent ball, I think, five or six times. Wow. And, I mean, like I said, A with the Dodgers now. He played for Team Israel in the 2017 Classic. Um, but he and I were having dinner in Arizona during spring training before I signed and I'll, and I'll never forget. He told me that he first signed, uh, he signed his first affiliate contract at age 26. And I was like, you're literally like my idol. I hope this happens. And I signed, like I, I had it happen like a week or two later, but, um, I mean, Blake's a fantastic leader on the team. Like a lot of guys love to, we love to mess with him, but we also look up to him I mean, really, really respect the way that he plays and carries himself. Um, I'm trying to think of the names that guys would not recognize as much um joey wagman who i think he pitched with the white Sox and the a's um in the qualifiers he threw so many innings and one of the best games i've ever seen in my life Threw a complete game shutout uh against spain in the first game against uh, or in the first game of the last round of qualifiers to kind of give us a one up and help us start one and zero oh and not burn any bullpen arms in our first game. So that really set the stage for us in the last round of qualifiers. Um, I think, let me think of another one, uh, uh, Ben Wanger, um, someone I've been doing some stuff with out here in California during quarantine. He's uh, played four years at Yale and just uh, started out this fifth year uh, at USC as a grad transfer this year. So he transferred to USC and then, right when school started came to play with us in the qualifiers and did really well on the mound and played some first base for us and then he absolutely tore it up at usc this year so hopefully uh he can get something after the draft as a free agent uh in the next few weeks but uh, yeah i mean those are some other guys definitely worth highlighting on team israel that's really
0: cool did he
1: enter the draft or is he trying to be signed I just, I mean, I, you know, it would be amazing if he got drafted, but I think with five rounds, a fifth year senior, yeah. it would be pretty difficult. Gotcha.
0: That's awesome. So what are the Cubs having you do now during quarantine? I know you probably work out every day. So what sort of your day look like during coronavirus and everything? Uh, I know it's not what you're probably expecting.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty, so I came out here. I'm from New York, but I came out to California with my brother, Um, just knowing that, I'm having an opportunity to spend some time with him. We were living together in spring training, and knowing that with the warm weather, I'd be able to do things outside with, with places closed. Um, so my day, pretty. I mean, I'm, I ended up, there's a place out here that I have, that I have the opportunity to lift that and get my training in that. And there's numerous parks that are open. So I have another Team Israel guy, Zach Weiss, who um, I'm doing pretty much everything with out here. Um, so we have plenty of spots to throw. So my day is really wake up, make breakfast, um, go th- go go lift, uh, go throw after that, make some food, come back, hang out, try to do something productive. I've had a lot of these uh, like zoom calls for different JCCs, uh, Team Israel stuff, just other stuff like this yeah. um, happening recently and spending time with my brother and his roommate make dinner and try to get a good night's sleep. So um, I mean, my been pretty repetitive each day. We try to go hiking once on the weekend, take advantage of California. We're right across from the beach, so a lot of the downtime is spent going to the beach, walking on the beach, and go to watch my brother surf. Uh, so yeah, that's that's pretty much my days. That's
0: pretty cool. So being from New York myself, I, I mean, I'm assuming there's a big difference from New York weather this time of year and California weather this time of year. Did you ever think of yourself moving from the East Coast, or were you like, I really like the East Coast, but I'm moving to the West Coast because of the weather.
1: Um, you know, I've always said I like when I was younger. I always said I wanted to go to school down south, mm-hmm. um, and did not really know. Her. I, I mean, Richmond, I thought it was south. Is really not that far south. Um, but I mean, yeah, I prefer the warm weather. I don't see myself in New York long term. But I mean, I'm, I'm going back home this weekend. Um, so I really I really don't know. I mean I, I prefer the warm weather, but I it's it's really hard to leave everybody you know on the east coast right now. Oh, and I gives my brother a hard time sometimes yeah. so you're all the way out here.
0: Yeah, I got you. So, let's see. So you mentioned so you've played in Canada, Australia, you so what was playing with uh playing in the Canadian League like? Because I know a lot of guys have played there, so I'm just curious, what's Canadian baseball like?
1: Uh, yeah, the Can-Am was pretty cool. Um, I mean, baseball was no different, but um, playing in Quebec was one of the coolest places I've ever played. Um, I mean, there's without the Expos there, there's no professional baseball on the East Coast, so, like, you're, you're a main attraction being in Quebec City. So, I had, I mean, they, they get great turnouts, um, like tons of fans, very very loud, passionate fans. Like it's really cool when it's nice out to be there. And during batting practice, like the whole beer garden is full. People are piling into the stands. Like it's it was a really really fun place to play. Um, and I mean, I kind of sucked going on the road sometimes because you never wanted to leave there. I mean, any sunny day, the place was packed. No matter how, how good your how well the team was performing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was an amazing experience for me. I think the uh, the, the level of play in the Can-Am was very high. Um, didn't really know what it was going to be like. And, yeah, it was it was great. Um, great experience. I loved it. So, if so, let's
0: say things were more normal than they are. Where would you be with the Cubs right now? And would you be starting your season soon?
1: Yeah, I think we – I think opening day would have been, like, April 9th. So, mm-hmm. we got to – a pretty good chunk into the season right now. Um, I was told that I was gonna be IA or double A, so I have no idea, no idea how that changes with uh the way things are shaking out now. Um, and I guess what's today, May 21st, so we would be less than two months away. Or we would be two months away from the Olympics. Um, and our training camp in the Northeast would have been starting in less than two months, so right. yeah, would have had a pretty good, would have, would have been pretty. Pretty good, decent size into the Cubs season. And then, yeah, very, very close to all the stuff starting for the Olympics. So kind of stinks to realize what we're all missing out on. But Of course. How many people yeah. worse right now?
0: What did the Cubs say about you playing in the Olympics? Is that just part of just, like, the agreement and they had no issue with it? Or they're like, you better protect yourself uh, uh, while you're I, over there?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously that was something that's come up. Because uh, it happens right during the middle of the season, so and I was worried that that was going to prevent me again from having an opportunity to sign. But fortunately, it didn't, and I would—I mean—make having a chance to play in the Olympics is such a such an amazing opportunity that I'm so grateful for. So, yeah. just didn't really want to miss out on that. But it was pretty cool. Like when I got a call from them, uh, one of the first things that they said was that they'll honor. Uh, my commitment to the Olympics and let me go. Um, and even when we, sp- I spoke to the same person after everything happened with this, they said I could still go in 2021. Um, so, I mean, that I think that really speaks volumes to, to them as an organization. And I'm very, very lucky to be with be with the team that's allowing this. Mm-hmm. So, I know nowadays the average age
0: for Major League debuts has gotten older. I think it's around 26 or 27.
1: Mm-hmm. How does...
0: You've played in a lot of places. What sort of your mental state to keep on going and to to keep on fighting for that dream that every kid has of wanting to play professional baseball? What keeps you going every day to, to keep fighting to eventually get to the big leagues?
1: Yeah, I mean, I know my age works against me, but at the same time, like I keep saying, I went this very roundabout way to professional baseball. So I think my scenario is a lot different than most people. And for me, it's like every year there's small little like incremental increases that I see in my performance, my development, my delivery, whatever it is. Like I've shown signs and have gotten better every year. I throw a little bit harder consistently every year. So for me, I mean, and I'm having more success every year. So and success at high levels against very high level hitters who have played, played played in the big leagues, have long careers. So these are the things that kind of, I mean, I have the confidence and I believe that I have what it takes to play for a long time, um, especially being on this track now um, of development that I'm referring to. And I just um, – so, I, I mean, I believe in myself. I've, I've seen myself have success, and I think that I have what it takes to do it at the highest level. Um, and my body feels great, and I think there's no better feeling in the world than walking off the mound after punching out the last batter of an inning and throwing Absolutely. It. I hope yeah. I have that for a long time to come
0: that's awesome man. that's really really cool so so talking about that feeling who are some of the players that you look up to growing up and who are some of the guys you look at now to sort of you sort of model yourself after or some guys you just search up on youtube and be like i'm gonna go throw like him today in the pen
1: <laughs> um all right a few ways we can few guys, i guess players that i just liked as a fan growing up i like Like, of course, Mariano Rivera, Roger Clemens, Tino Martinez, like, as a Yankee fan growing up. Um, Actually, like, when I I played all different – I was, like, a catcher, third baseman, first baseman, pitched also growing up. So, um, once I really, like, became more of a pitcher first, I really liked watching A.J. Burnett. Like, I loved the way that he threw. Um, I like, uh, right now guys like David Robertson and Joe Kelly, like how they really simplify things. We get into like really strong, powerful positions on the mound. Um, I'll never forget, like one of my best friends like, has told me that he thinks I throw like Joe Kelly. So I was so fired up when he told me that <laughs> I started watching his video a lot. And I was like, he's like, like this is the way I love the way he throws, like loves yeah. the, the way he moves on the mound. So I actually like when I'm trying to reference things, like he is someone that I look at a lot um yeah so guys like did you
0: see the did you see the video of him throwing a change up through his window
1: yeah so that um so I actually have I have one of those clean fuego balls also That same the same thing and um I didn't realize till like when I got it um that that like I went back and was looking through some of his stuff and I saw that video and I was like wait that's not a baseball like that's the same thing (laughs) I just started using Um, yeah I did see that though
0: so I've seen a lot about those. Spray balls. What what are they and what do they do to help you throw what's so
1: the help like the direction of the spin of your ball and also like increasing the, the spin efficiency, like how efficiently your ball spins. So like when you see a, something an object like that and you flip it and it kind of wobbles like that's a more inefficient spin. So you want to see tight rotation. And then for me, like I kind of release the ball more of a hand angle this way. I want to get it a little bit closer towards 12 o'clock. So by throwing something of this shape, like it really gives you feedback on every throw where you can see what it's doing instead of having to throw on a rap photo or a track man to kind of give you those answers. Mm-hmm.
0: Is it shaped like a baseball or, or is it like, or is it a different uh, shape? I've never, I've never actually seen it.
1: Uh, it's literally right here. So like, this is a, like obviously this is a baseball. And then yeah.
0: This right here. Oh, wow. Okay, so it looks like a hockey puck. (laughs) Yeah,
1: kind of. It's a bit heavier, but, like, I mean, I I have to throw it harder to see the tight spin, but you can Mm -hmm. see, like, a little wobble when I throw that. Very, very cool. Yeah.
0: What about – I loved A.J. Burnett, and as a Yankee fan, I was disappointed. He didn't exactly live up to his potential in New York, but that's that's aside. Um, I loved his mentality on the mound. I think he, I think he was one of those guys who was really proud of his fastball, but also had really good off speed. What about him did you
1: like? Um, Uh, I, I I love the way he carried himself. First of all, I mean, like he's an intimidating looking dude, but like, he also seems like he's pretty quiet and just like stares through the soul of a hitter. And like, I'm not like a loud vocal outgoing type person but like when I'm on the mound like I try to like channel that kind of uh, not anger but like aggression I guess in ways so I really like the way that he just presents himself on the mound um I like I again like from a watching video standpoint guys who everything is pretty simplified and then last second as soon as their arm is up it's like a very quick controlled like violent explosion looking feeling um or delivery so I like the way he did that but also like I agree like he he had a good fastball I think I don't know what numbers show but um I think he relied on it too much and he like had an absolute banger slider that I loved watching like he threw the shit out of it um I don't know like when he was on he was so good but when he got hit like it was hard to watch and I think yeah it was too inconsistent like to not enough damage control like with the Yankees, but like. I just liked watching him when he was on. And honestly, it was, like, painful to watch when he wasn't because I really started to like him a lot with the Yankees.
0: Yeah. No, the Yankees gave him a big contract. But, I mean, I think he had a really good career. I think I agree with you on the inconsistencies. I really liked watching him in Pittsburgh. I think he got better as Mm -hmm. he got older. And that's something that that you talk about as well. So I can see why you you sort of look at him as sort of a, a mentor in a way.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and I, I do not have his size. Like I, I don't resemble him at all. Like, <laughs> like to think with someone like Joe Kelly, but yeah. um, I mean, yeah, he's yeah, for all those reasons, fun to watch. And I mean, like we said, when he was on, he was he was freaking good.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I know you mentioned earlier you've been doing all these Zoom calls and all this stuff with media, and I appreciate you coming on with me, taking your time to do that. So what about do you like being on social media and doing stuff with baseball or so what what sort of appeals to you about that whole thing?
1: Um I like I like talking about it. I mean, I've never done an Instagram live like this. I don't know, this is a little bit different to me. Um I I, I don't right. mind recording the podcast because I yeah. think the conversation like facil- facilitates really good thought, like really good insight and yeah. ways and like opportunities for other guy other athletes other players and youth players to learn um honestly like I like using mine most for the training and development side of it like I really enjoy that side that's what I have been doing for work in the off seasons what I hope to do when I go back home uh when I go back home next week um so I like to use it more for that and kind of giving guys an opportunity to or or people to view what I'm doing and what's worked for me and kind of take that and do what you want with it, ask questions, interpret it for your own. I mean, of course, for the own personal growth side of it, like it's a good way to get clients um, both remote and in person. Um, and I mean, yeah, I mean, I think I've had a really unique uh, story over the last however many years. So um, I enjoy sharing it. Um, it's, it's fun to talk about. Um, and every single time I do something like this, like questions are, very similar in some ways but like each one is unique where like there's something a little bit different that comes up or that's that's triggered in my mind so um yeah, yeah like i mean the one i'm just thinking of right now from recently in our conversation was like the joe kelly the joe kelly comparison talking about like that, that. i think that's that's pretty unique to this, to yeah. this call.
0: and yeah that, that's awesome um you talked about mentoring and stuff do you see yourself coaching later on is that something you're doing now do you see yourself doing that down the line as well?
1: Um, I don't. I I don't know. Um, kind of hard to think to narrow that down right now. I, in some capacity, I definitely see myself doing doing it. I mean, when I say like training in the off season, like it's one on one lessons, group lessons, um, pitching stuff, hitting lessons as well. Um, so I don't really call that coaching. I don't really want to deal with the on field in-game decision-making and dealing with parents and all that kind of stuff. I I'd, yeah. I'd really like the behind-the-scenes, like, developing a routine and something that's going to help someone reach their potential over time. So I don't know what kind of opportunity that leads to when my playing career is over, whether it's some kind of player development role or something like a pitching analyst or baseball ops, but, I mean, probably something – something along the lines of that when 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 all is said and done but hopefully that's uh, not for like another 10 years uh,
0: absolutely uh i'm not sure if you know maddie k5 in the chat jonathan has always been a mentor to me
1: <laughs> thanks maddie k yeah uh, he's a big big team israel fan gotcha. friend of mine is awesome.
0: so i I don't like holding guys more than a half an hour to an hour. So sort of my final thing is because I'll be re-recording this and putting it up on Spotify and Apple Podcasts because I just love hearing stories. That's why I love doing this. I try not to get the typical major leaguer or like the guy who's sort of in the big leagues. I like hearing the D1 stories, the independent ball stories, and you're the first guy with the Olympics who I've talked to. So I think it's really cool. What sort of a message you want to get out there to, to younger guys and to other players sort of? in your path?
1: Um, I think, like, choose an audience that you want to listen to and you want to follow. Like, obviously, there's so much content out there in the media that can drive you crazy. But um, know what you want to get out of your baseball career um, and follow – I don't mean literally follow on social media, (laughs) actually follow the – Follow the right people and um, really listen to what they're saying. Like the content that people are putting out there, the cues that coaches are giving you, they're used to help you out and give you something when you're on your own or in your own space before a game getting warmed up for you to use to continue to develop and working on your craft. So really really try to hone that in and block everything else out when you're working on your stuff in the moment. Um, And enjoy it and invest in yourself. Like It's really – like I, for so long, I wanted, dreamed of playing professional baseball, and then um, it became, I think, more of a reality later on in high school, and then didn't happen, and then over the years in college, it was like, oh my god, this is never gonna get happen. Like I just want to live in the moment and enjoy this, and just somehow get on the field again. And now, luckily, knock on wood, I've been playing for a few more many more years since then, Absolutely, um, but you never know when it can be taken away from you. So like really enjoy it and live in the moment. Um, I mean, there's so many amazing times and tournaments and games that I remember from my youth baseball career that like, I would love to go back and relive. Um, and I'm really fortunate that I can remember those details because that's some of the, that's the best time I think of your baseball career. So really enjoy it and invest in yourself because you only get one chance to be the best you can at, at any game sport or whatever whatever you enjoy
0: doing. I, I certainly appreciate your time, and I certainly appreciate hearing your story, and I will absolutely watch Team Israel when they come uh, to the Olympics in 2021. This has been really cool, and, and thank you again for sitting down with me today.
1: Of course, yeah. Thanks for having
0: me. All right, man. All right, guys. Thank you so much for watching episode six of the Baseball Happy Hour podcast. I love talking to Jonathan. It was a great time. Hope you guys have an amazing week.